0: Philippians chapter 4. I will be there in a moment. I want you to think about this question. Uh, What does it look like to persevere as a believer in Jesus? What does it look like to stand firm in your faith? You've already heard cues to this in the scriptures that I read for the Lord's Supper. Uh, Paul is going to show us As we look at verse 1 in Philippians 4 today, what this looks like, what this looks like lived out. And I think it's a wonderful example here. Our last time together here in Philippians, two weeks ago, when we reached the end of chapter 3, we heard from Paul in verses 20 and 21 about the believer's citizenship. We heard about the believer's expectation. And we heard about the believer's transformation our citizenship is in heaven i heard it in sunday school this morning we're we're aliens living in a strange land but this is where god has us to serve him right but but if you're a believer in jesus your citizenship is in heaven and you have that that expectation of your eternal home to look forward to, and that day when you will be transformed and you will be like Christ in His presence. So let's look at those two verses at the end of chapter 3 again. I sent you to chapter 4, but you're really close to chapter 3. Back up and look at verses 20 and 21. Uh, These are for every follower of Jesus then and now. We heard these truths in... 20 and 21 of chapter 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Now, because that is every believer's eternal confidence, you can have this confidence. This is God's promise to you that God has planned your eternal destiny. If your belief, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved, and this is your eternal destiny. Paul now says this in chapter 4, verse 1. Look at it. Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. Now, we're entering chapter 4, and sometimes it's hard for us to shift gears. We think we're shifting gears to another topic, but really, I almost wonder if the first verse goes better with the, with, the, with the ending of chapter 3, but it does, incredibly, it does introduce chapter 4 very well, but it really ties back to chapter 3. As we enter chapter 4 and look at verse 1, the emphasis... From the end of chapter 3 is what we have that's carried through here and what awaits our transformed, eternal, heavenly bodies. So with that in your thinking, Paul says, So, since this is true of you and you have this to look forward to, here's how you're to live now on planet Earth. Here's how you're to live now in these earthly bodies that God has entrusted to you. Here's how to live. Here's how to persevere. Here's how to stand firm. Paul turns to what we're to do with our bodies right now and how we're to live in this world right now. This is practical. We need to know how to live in this world. Things around you are changing in case you haven't noticed. Things moving further and further from the truth of God's word if you haven't noticed, but God's church had, had better not move from the truths of God's Word. We must stand firm. The world we live in will tell you that it doesn't matter what you do with your body. The world that we live in will tell you it doesn't matter how you live. Here's the guiding principle of the world that we live in. You do you. Is what the world is saying to us. You live the way you want to and don't let anybody tell you what God's word says. But God's church must be founded on the truth. We must root our lives in these truths which we hold in our hands. It does matter what you do with your body. It does matter what you choose to do with every day that God trusts and trusts to you. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, shows us the heart of God in the matter, saying, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. That clears it up, doesn't it? You cannot do you. You cannot do as you wish. You, you must honor God's word. You are not your own. Verse 20, you were bought at a price. The Lord's Supper, we just celebrated. The price Jesus paid to purchase us from the debt of sin that we owed. Therefore, says verse 20 in 1 Corinthians 6, therefore glorify God with your body. And the idea here really encompasses all of life. It's not just what you do with your body. It's what you do as you live your life and it includes what you do with your body so in Philippians 4 1 Paul returns to this statement that he's used before you've heard this before stand firm does it sound familiar uh, he says stand firm stand firm how stand firm in the Lord this is how you will be able to stand firm in the culture in which we live in the world that that seems kind of topsy-turvy Paul is saying be faithful to God Honor God with your life. Honor God with the way that you live. This is how we heard Paul say this back in Philippians 1 and verse 27. And you can look at it if you want to. We've been here and this is why this sounds familiar. Verse 1 or verse 27 of chapter 1. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are Standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The gospel is our focus as a church. It's the good news that we have to share with the world around us. And we we live by the truth of the gospel every day. If you, if you don't realize you need the gospel every day, let me, let me express that truth to you now. Even as a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died for sinners, of whom you were one who needed to be saved. And God saved you, forgave your sins, and cleansed you, and washed you, and made you new, and poured His Spirit into you so that you can stand firm. I want you to think about this this morning. So as we look closely at verse 1 here in chapter 4, I want you to see that there are three areas of Paul's life here that are a godly example to us. They're a a godly example of what our lives should look like if we claim to follow Jesus. Three examples of what it looks like to persevere in our faith in Jesus to the end of this life on earth. This is how we're to live in these bodies as we wait for our transformed, heavenly, eternal bodies. First of all, I want you to note this. Take note first of Paul's love and longing for these fellow believers. His love for and longing for these fellow believers. Philippians 4.1, he says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, at the end of the verse he says, My beloved, you can hear the affection the love that Paul has for the believers who are the church at Philippi. Three times in this verse, he expresses his love for them. He calls them his longed-for brothers whom I I love. And then he says, my beloved, at the end of the verse. (laughs) He, He loves these people. He cares deeply for them. So it's obvious that Paul cared for these brothers and sisters in Christ at Philippi. And it just makes me pause here for a moment and think, we're going through a transition right now. You're sitting in chairs where a couple weeks ago it was pews, and, and you can see part of the wall missing behind me, and we're, and we're going to be tearing this place apart before we can improve it and make it better and, and a little bit bigger and, and uh, give us more more options for the way we can use this space for God's glory. Can you forget all that for a moment? <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Maybe you look at your own life right now and you and you know things that nobody else does that you 're going through that are difficult. Change is difficult change is hard. We face hardship and difficulty. There are some of you going through some deep, dark waters, and God knows that even those of you who have are not, maybe you look at it and say, "Oh, I'm not going through a deep hardship right now, but I know what it is. I've been through hardship. I've been through difficulty. Can we all think this? I want you to think about this for your life today as we think about Paul's example, his love and longing for these fellow believers. Do you want to live your life well? I trust you do. (laughs) I trust the answer is, yeah, I I want to live my life well. Learn to love like Paul. Learn to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, like Paul's example. We get many, many glimpses of his love for the fellow believers at Philippi here. And just in verse 1 of chapter 4, we get a a very strong inclination that he loves these people, he cares for them deeply. Learn to love like Paul. It will take you a long way. Even as you go through difficulty and hardship, God gives you joy as you, as you love His people and his, as his, love, his people love on you and care for you. We need God's Word for this. This is not easy, is it? We need God's Word for this. We need His Spirit. We need His help. And we have all of that in Christ. If you're a believer in Christ, you have that. Now, you realize Paul wasn't perfect, Right? Paul was not perfect, and he wasn't dealing with perfect people either. He's like, he loves the typical church. Imperfect people, we're all imperfect, aren't we? Well, if you're not, at least I am. We're all imperfect, and Paul was not dealing with a perfect church. In verse 2, he needs to tell Yodia and Syntyche to learn to get along, and learn to love one another. And in verse 3, he even calls on others in the church to help them do this. We're going to get into that next time. But you can see very quickly, he's imperfect and he's dealing with imperfect people. But that doesn't matter. He loves them. This side of heaven, loving one another, will will, cha- will be a challenge to live up to. It will be hard for us to do because we're still living in our in our selfish bodies right we're we're self we think of ourselves first but this is near to the heart of god i hope you know this as you read the bible you see that this loving one another is very near to the heart of god and it's what he wants for his church in fact learning to love one another is one of the ways we show our love for god it's one of the ways if you say i love god well then the question next is do you love people Do you love God's people, and do you love the people around you who need Christ? 1 John 4.20 and verse 21 says, says it this way, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. If you're growing, and I believe this, the Bible teaches this very soundly and clearly, if you are growing in your love for God, you will grow in your love for God's people and for unbelievers who need Christ. How are we to live as believers as we wait for the Lord's return? One of our highest priorities should be learning to love God's people. I said learning. That, that kind of a clue that we don't always have it figured out, do we? I'm as guilty as the next person. We need to be learning to love God's people, learning to love each other. Remember too, this is also how the world will know that we are truly believers in Jesus when we love one another. Jesus says it this way, John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So follow Paul's example. Love God's people. Grow in loving God's people. Grow in your your understanding of the needs of the people around you. Look around and and see who God has you nearby throughout your week. And, And on the Lord's Day, when you see God's people coming and going, think about those people that God wants you to love on and care for their needs and pray for them and encourage them. We see here very clearly Paul's love and longing for these people. He misses these dear folk, his beloved. That leads us up to the next example from Paul's life. Note, secondly, Paul considers these believers his present joy and future celebration. What does that mean? Think about this. He considers them his present joy and future celebration. That's what we see when he calls them his joy and crown. There in verse 1, they are His present joy because He knows they're growing in faith. He hears of their love for God. He knows that they are growing in their love for God and they're growing in their love for each other, even though they're imperfect and even though they need admonishment and correction. He knows they're growing and that encourages Him. That gives gives Him joy. I've thought of it often as a parent. You know, as as a parent... You're you're never happier than your than when your kids are getting along, and they're and they're loving on each other. And you look and you think, wow, they they love each other. And and yes, you know, 15 minutes later they can be fighting. But for that moment, for that moment, you're like, wow, they love. I mean, That's that that is encouraging. Think about how we give uh, glory to God when when God's children love each other, and we. And we're blessed by God when He gives us joy. That's a gift of His when we honor Him in that way. That's what we see here when He calls calls these believers His joy. They are His present joy because He knows they're growing in Christ's likeness. They're growing in their love for God. They're growing in their love for each other. He also calls them His crown. Uh, When when you see this, you think, uh, think of this in the original language. It was the word for the wreath. That you put on the victorious athlete, the victorious and celebrating athlete wore that wreath. That's the idea behind the original language, the, the word we translated crown. So they were his crown because he knows he's going to rejoice when he gets to heaven and sees those people in heaven, that they have grown in Christ-likeness and they have finished well, and he sees he see, when he sees them in heaven, they're his crown. They're his crown. His uh, gift, they're his joy and crown. What a precious thing this is. When, when he sees these victorious believers in heaven, he realizes that they will be his future celebration. Do you ever look at your brothers and sisters in Christ that way? Who I hope you have people that you're investing your life in for God's glory, and you think of one day they're going to be a reason for you to celebrate in heaven. I can think of people like that. What a joy that is to see people, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are growing because we're encouraging them and we're, we're serving alongside them and we're loving them and they're growing in likeness and their love for God and love for each other and we can celebrate, we can think of the future celebration that will be ours in heaven. It's another powerful example to live up to. Uh, again, Paul... Paul was uh, in a unique situation, which we are not in this morning. He was in prison when he wrote this. Instead of letting his circumstances rob him of joy, he reminds these believers that they are his present joy. He has joy even in the midst of deep hardship. Even though his circumstances are exceedingly difficult, as he remembers their growing faith and their love for God and their love for each other, their growing love for each other, he Rejoices in that, and God gives him present joy, and He gives him this eternal celebration to look forward to. There is joy in serving others. God gives you joy when you surrender your rights to serve others, when you put others first. There is joy that is one of God's rich blessings when you invest your life in loving and caring for God's people. When you look at your life, do you see people you're investing your life in for God's glory? I have to ask myself that, and and I ask you to consider that yourself. Are you are you investing yourself in the lives of other people for God's glory so that they will grow in Christ's likeness? I think we can all do this. We don't all have to be the pastor, we don't all have to be the deacons or the deacons' wives. We we are all we all should be growing in Christ's likeness, and we can all be a godly example to someone. Or many someone's. Third John uh, one four is a reminder of the joy that can be yours when you invest your life in the life of another believer. Uh, the Apostle John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That was also Paul's attitude. Here in Philippians 4.1, he was investing his life in the lives of these Philippian believers. He had spent time with them, and now he's writing to them. And he realized that he was storing up treasures for himself in heaven by investing in their spiritual lives. That's present joy and future celebration. So, So I challenge you, I encourage you, look around at the people around you that God would have you invest your life in for His glory and consider them your present joy and future celebration that will be yours when you honor God in this way, when you forget self and you consider the needs of others above your own. Paul's example here is one that will keep your priorities in order as you live each day. How should we live we should be growing in our love for God's people. And that really should overflow to growing in our in our love for people who need Christ. Just as Colossians 3, 1 and 2 tells you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. That's helpful, isn't it? When we live in in the day-to-day nitty-gritty, it's hard to keep our minds fixed on things above. But, but it's not that we don't think about the things on earth. It's not that we shouldn't be concerned about the things on earth. But, but how we think about eternity affects how we deal with today. Now, thirdly, I want you to see this. This leads us to the charge to the believers to stand firm. The charge to believers to stand firm. Paul tells the Philippian believers to stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved, stand firm. Stand firm how? He's pointing back to everything he's taught them already, which we studied in chapter 2, but especially verses 17 through 21, where he charges them with following godly examples. I said chapter 2, I meant chapter 3 verses 17-21, where he charges them with following godly examples and avoiding sinful examples. This is also a word from God through Paul to believers, not just then, but now. Believers now need to hear this. We need to stand firm. At the end of chapter 3, Paul warned that there were people who were enemies of the cross of Christ who would lead us astray if we do not stand firm in the truth of God's word in what we've been taught from the Bible. How do we stand firm in the Lord? Well, we can learn from Paul and how he gave this same charge to other churches, such as in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong. He says act like men. It doesn't mean that women should behave like men, but it means that we should all be strong like men are strong. Be courageous because you have the truth of the gospel on your side. Live with courage. Be strong. Stand firm in what? In the faith, says 1 Corinthians 16.13. And we hear this in 1 Corinthians 15.58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain that points to that future celebration that we'll have one day. We also have this always timely reminder, Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then in verses 13 and 14 in Ephesians 6, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of Truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You need the Word of God. You need to practice the Word of God. That's righteousness. That's obedience. And even closer to our study here in Philippians, back in Philippians 1, verse 27, Paul says, "...only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or i am absent, I may hear." Of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So how are we to stand firm in the Lord? It means means this. It means you choose to serve the Lord faithfully with every day He gives you, even if people around you are not. Are you willing to stand alone if it comes to that? Lord willing, we should not have to stand alone. We have each other. We should be together in this. But standing firm in the Lord means I'm going to live by God's word no matter what the rest of my family does, no matter what the rest of my church does, no matter what the rest of the world around me is doing. It means being watchful and courageous with your faith fixed on Christ, rooted firmly in His word. It means putting on the whole armor of God, taking up, putting on, pouring into your life the wisdom of God's Word, reading the Bible for yourself, and then taking steps to obey it. Living your life according to the truth of God's Word when surrounded by sinfulness and evil, things that grieve us in this world. Maybe we see people we love and we see them doing things that grieve us. We must stand firm not only for our sake, but for their sake. The charge we hear from the Bible today in the words and life of Paul is a powerful example. It's a short verse, I realize it's just one verse, but this is vital for us to stand firm. This is a command. This is not optional equipment for believers. I want to be sensitive to this, too. It's possible that you're hearing these truths today and understand that you're not following Jesus yourself, that you've not confessed your sin and believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage you that you can trust in Him now. The, The message of the Bible is repent and believe. Repent that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Believe in that Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God saves you, gives you His Spirit. You can do that even now in the quietness of your own heart. And I would encourage you to do that. I would even be happy to talk to you about that be my privilege but believers we realize don't we that even and we can see it even from Paul's example we think about where he was when he wrote this we realize from Paul's example that the calling that followers of Jesus receive is not one of ease it's not one of ease on this earth if we're pursuing the the ease all the all the comfort and ease of living that we can find in this life. We may be disappointed if you really want to honor God with your life because things could get challenging and difficult at times. And yet God promises to be there and equip you for those challenging times. We can be thankful for the faithfulness of Christ to obey God the Father as he went to the cross and obeyed. That was was terrible. That was exceedingly difficult. We tend to think about only the physical aspect of it. But there was far more than that. When God poured out his just wrath on his son for our sins, I can't even fathom how difficult that was. And God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. There is joy now in serving Jesus, even though we shed tears at times. There is joy now as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, even though we go through difficulties. And yet, God calls to us and says, hang in there. Stand firm. Stand in the truth. Remain firm. Stand firm in the Lord until God calls you to your eternal home. And we look forward to that day, don't we? I think of loved ones who've gone on before us who love the Lord. And I'm jealous in some ways that they, they got there before I did. And we look forward to seeing them. And just in case you, you wonder about that, I think sometimes we say, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'll get to see my loved ones. And yes, I, I believe you will. But I believe if, uh, the first person you're going to be happy to see is Jesus. I need that reminder. Meantime, In the meantime, meanwhile, stand firm, church. Take up the word of God. Hide it in your hearts. Live by the truth. Devote yourself to being being bound to the word of God. No matter what the culture is doing around you, no matter what other people are doing around you, commit yourself to serving the Lord with your life. That's, That's how to finish well. That's how to persevere in this life.